Happy Monday, everybody. You already know what it is. It's another episode of Your Sports Fix with the Sports Pulse. We were off last week, but we're back. It's Devin Nashby. Hoping everybody's having a great start to the week. You know, it's been, you know, we're entering that kind of period in the summer where things are kind of slowing down in the sports world, but still, nonetheless, a lot to talk about, you know, um, Obviously, it's now been a full week since the conclusion of the NFL draft. It took place over the course of three days. Um, And, you know, obviously a lot of questions were answered. There were a lot of big questions leading up, a lot of things about who everybody was wondering, who San Francisco traded their farm to get at the number three pick. There were questions about where Kyle Pitts would wind up, the big tight end prospect who you know, was like just whatever, you know, people were wondering where Justin Fields would end up considering he fell as low as he did, you know, and all those things were answered. I mean, obviously, Trevor Lawrence going number one, probably for at least the last two years, we knew this was going to happen. You know, Zach Wilson going number two was kind of a development, you know, we figured that was going to happen, you know, but Trey Lance at number three, was probably the biggest shocker, you know, one of the biggest shockers of this draft because, you know, all the talk was that they were trading up to get Mac Jones and, you know, everybody was saying he loved that the Niners and Shan- Kyle Shanahan love Mac Jones, but then, you know, they trade for Trey Lance. And my thing is, this is a win-win for Trey Lance because either you play, you know, either you play at some point this year which I think you don't trade up the farm number three for this guy not to start at some point or at least to push Jimmy G. And then that's the thing. If he doesn't play, you get to sit behind Jimmy G and learn what is a very, arguably, I mean, you could say it's a complicated West Coast. Like that Shanahan offense has a lot of pieces to it. So, you know, you have time to learn if you don't, if you're not ready to play. But if you are ready to play, which you would hope he is considering what they traded up to get for him, then you could come in immediately and just really some really strong pieces. You know, that defense is going to get a lot of people back, most notably Joey uh, Nick Bosa, former defensive player of the year, or defensive rookie of the year in 2019. So that on defense and then on offense, you got a lot of weapons. You got have Brandon Ayuk, you have Debo Samuel, you have just running backs galore with Raheem Mostert and, um, you know, a couple other guys. So they, George Kittle, one of the top two or three tight ends in this and in, in this league. So you have some weapons to work with if you're Trey Lance and if you're ready to play immediately. If you're not, and obviously if you're not, and then this is puts an even bigger target on Jimmy G's back because it seems for a couple of years now, even ever since that Super Bowl letdown that he had, that it's kind of been a target on his back. Like there are questions of if he's really good enough to lead a franchise to the promised land and you know there have been a lot of questions about him and injury concerns and just you know all the money that the Niners are paying him that they probably with this draft pick seem like they don't feel like they're getting a return on the investment that they expected so there's a huge target on his back there's a lot of pressure on him you gotta wonder how he's gonna respond to this you know 
And how he responds is very crucial to both him and the future of the Niners, good or bad. Because if he does well, then you won't see Trey Lance for a couple of years. If he doesn't do well, you're going to see Trey Lance. And one way or the other, that's really going to shake up this organization. An organization that has been starving for a franchise savior at quarterback since the retirement of Steve Young. So that's a big deal. But you know, elsewhere in the, there are a lot of other you know, big-time picks. I think Kyle Pitts going to Atlanta was a mistake on Atlanta's part. You know, um, you know, Atlanta, I think they obviously want to extend Matt Ryan's career as long as they possibly can. You know, he's getting in the twilight zone of his career. And, you know, you're wondering if his best days are behind him. You know, Atlanta has their in a, a new coaching scheme. You know, there are a lot of questions about some guys like Julio Jones that may not be there a year from now. So you get a weapon for Matt Ryan, but at the expense of what has been just an absolutely horrible defense over the last couple of years. So that was somewhat of a question mark, but Kyle Pitts is a generational prospect. A lot of people feel like he is. So you, you, he's going to be a great player regardless of where he ended up. Like he can't, play he doesn't control what the defense does but he's going to do his part and be a real I think he's going to be an exceptional talent in Atlanta now as far as the other quarterbacks in this draft Justin Fields um fell pretty low um I was surprised I figured any number of Denver Carolina or obviously I thought the 49ers would have gotten him over Trey Lance so Carolina had a chance, but they chose to stick with Sam Darnold. You know, Denver had a chance to get him, but they went another direction as well. Going on the defensive side of the ball. So it seems like they're sticking with Drew Locke for now. Justin, But the Chicago Bears traded up, I believe, with New York or somebody to get Fields. You know, Chicago is another team that, unlike the Niners, who've had Joe Montana and Steve Young, and they just have fallen on some hard times since, the Bears have never, arguably ever, had a franchise quarterback. Like, they've had decent quarterbacks. Like, Rex Grossman took them to a Super Bowl. You know, they had Jim McMahon back in the 80s with the 85 Bears, you know. But they've never had just that guy, you know. They've been starving for, like, just none of them have ever been great. They were serviceable at best. So, they're just starving for quarterback play in that city and I think Justin Fields is the guy to do it even though they say that Dalton's going to probably be the starter to start things out because he's the veteran with the with the veteran whatever so you know he's going to start things out obviously but I don't know how long he's going to last I mean we've seen Andy Dalton and we know what we're getting with him and you know he's not going to start for long if at all really I think and I, I like, you know, a lot of people have soured on Jim Nagy because of, you know, the way things went with Mr. Trubisky. But considering who Mr. Trubisky, I mean, Mr. Trubisky just whatever. I I still like Jim Nagy as a offensive play caller, and I really think that he could do some amazing things with Fields. I think he was hampered by Mr. Trubisky. Mr. Trubisky wasn't nearly the talent that I think Justin Fields is or can be. And so I think Nagy's going to do some things with him. It's going to be interesting to see. And, you know, as far as 
our own football. And, you know, there were some deep rounds, too. There were a lot of different things that happened in later rounds. And obviously, but as far as the first round, we saw Devontae Smith. You know, he the Eagles traded up, jumped, jumped uh, skipping over the Giants, who we thought Smith would land in New York. But now he's going to be in Philly throwing to a lot of reunions of former teammates. You know, Devontae Smith ended up in Philly with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Waddle, you know, he went viral for just ignoring his family when his name was called to go join Tua in the Dolphins in Miami. And then Jamar Chase going number four overall to Cincinnati to reunite with Joe Burrow. You know, there have been a lot of teammate reunions. That was kind of the first round. But second rounds, we saw some interesting picks. Um, the Texans picked Davis Mills, quarterback from Stanford. So we wonder... Could he be the guy they think will replace Deshaun Watson? Are they replacing Deshaun Watson? You know, you got issues. Is Deshaun Watson even going to see the field this year with all of his off-the-field controversies and dramas that he's got going on? So, you know, these are things. And But I think there are a lot of teams that have some really good drafts. One of them, not to sound like a homer here, but the Washington football team had a really good draft. If you're a Washington football fan, it's probably really exciting to see what they did. You know, Jamin Davis with their 19th pick in the number one in the in the first round, you know, a lot of people thought they would trade up to try to get a quarterback, and Ron Rivera even said that they considered doing it, but they ultimately ended up playing the long game, and they got a much-needed improvement on the defensive end. Linebackers, if there was arguably any weak points in what was a top-three defense last year, linebacker was definitely it you know linebacker at times they had spotty play at corner but linebacker really was a need you know they gave up a lot of plays where linebackers just didn't seem to know where the ball was so Jamin Davis was a guy who Rivera said just spoke raving and glowingly about so he's a dude that you think could be an instant impact a lot of people think that he could be a defensive rookie of the year candidate like there were comparisons to Darius Leonard who himself won a defensive rookie of the year as a rookie a couple years ago so you know this could be instant impact and improve what was already a really good defense last year with that ferocious front four and you just add this piece in the back end things are going to get serious (laughs) like you know then they got some late picks like I really loved the De'Ami Brown pick that they got the receiver from North Carolina. You know, this this offense has been starving for a deep threat. There was literally no type of threat, deep ball threat last year. I mean, you know, Terry was that guy, but he can only do so much when he doesn't have consistent help around him. So you add this guy Brown in there, and you already got Curtis Samuel in the offseason. I mean, this offense, this team as a whole – could take some huge steps in what is a division that is only going to get better with them, with Dallas getting Dak back healthy. Philly has some young pieces in place. The Giants were a couple wins away themselves. So NFC East is looking very, very interesting next year. You know, so that was, you know, all that talk. So, I mean, elsewhere, the, the point is this draft was very, very loaded, especially with offensive talent. But it was a lot of really good picks, a lot of really questionable picks, a lot of shockers, as we expected. But 
it is what it is and the NFL the 2021 season hopefully will be looking much more normal next year with fans and things but we'll see we will see elsewhere we move on I guess somewhat of a shocker that happened this week um the Kentucky Derby was around the same time as the NFL draft and the winning horse somehow has been busted for steroids or for performance enhancing drugs, which I didn't think that this, I didn't realize how, I mean, I guess this is a common thing that's happened with this trainer, Bob Baffert, cause he's been banned and, stuff but that was that was kind of like one of the more wild things i'm like man what is going on horses out here taking steroids bro like <laughs> it's wild you know that a horse is taking steroids but that was some interesting news we also saw i think you know moving from there i think um the boxing world is really down bad right now like boxing is it used to be America's pastime, like the same way baseball was, the same way we probably believe the NFL and NBA are now. Boxing was the number one sport in America for years, you know, and we've gone from where boxing once was to now you got exhibition fights between YouTube stars like Logan and Jake Paul against Floyd Mayweather and against Nate Robinson and stuff like that. And then you had the fight with Canelo and... Billy Joe Saunders this week that Canelo won and might have ended Saunders' career because of a punch that he received to his eye and things. And people don't even care. I mean, it's like, yo, it's more fanfare and attention and money being paid to Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather. And it just, boxing is really in a bad place right now. Like, I don't know if this is good for, this is just really like, crazy to see and I think I think a lot of it is to blame with promoters and the way that they like the top fighters don't fight each other you gotta wait two and three years in between for like big fight like boxing is in a really bad place right now I think and they need to figure something out because there is no reason that this should continue to keep going like exhibition fights like this or like when things like this are going on this is just really not good for the sport I don't think you know, but I, I hope that they figure out a way to get that taken done and just figure things out because I it, it just it makes me uncomfortable to see that. You know, I'm not even the biggest boxing or fighting fan, but to see where the sport is headed and things like that it's just really like it's not it's not a good thing to me if, to see this. elsewhere in the world of sports so college we moved to college and some big news happened this week obviously it's seeming more and more by the day by the year that sooner or later however you look at this thing college football players are eventually on the precipice of being able to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. You know, everywhere you look, people are passing individual laws within states. You got a Supreme Court case that's currently in the works right now that, at least from what I've been reading, isn't looking very good for the NCAA. And, I mean, I could be wrong, but just some of the stuff I've read, like the way they were getting ready to filth by judges, 
it just doesn't look good for them. So you got all this stuff happening. Well, Georgia is the latest, the latest area of which this battle is taking an interesting turn. So the state of Georgia, Governor Brian Kemp, have signed a law basically allowing athletes to be paid. Collegiate athletes in the state of Georgia can make money off of their, just, you know, if they want to be paid, they can make money off of endorsement deals. But where they lose me is Kemp signed this law that, oh, the schools are allowed to take up to 75% of whatever money you make from endorsements and then redistribute it to other athletes. My thing with that is, bro, this is just wild to me in a lot of ways because you're going to tell me, first of all, this is a country and particularly a state in Georgia with a Republican governor that are very anti-socialism, right? Anti, like, you know, if if you're taken from the rich and given to the poor, it's anti, you know, anti-socialist, you know, oh, it's going to, you know, you got to work for whatever. Why is it that it's suddenly okay here when you taken from, like, that is a really low, and obviously, you know, not every school will probably introduce it, but I just feel very like, yo, any, any chance the NCAA or members of the NCAA get to exploit these athletes, they're going to take it. And you're telling me, and then they got to take, you know, classes, financial literacy and stuff. And I'm just like, bro, you're taking money out of their pockets. Like, let's say, for example, let's pretend Zion Williamson went to University of Georgia. If he makes $100,000 from a Nike shoe deal, like 75, like, you know, 75% of that would get redistributed to the rest of the basketball team, theoretically, like if he were a part of the Georgia basketball, or like Anthony Edwards in his case. So it's just really crazy to think about that that could happen like that's that's really wild to think that that's where we're headed like that is just unfathomable to think about like you mean to tell me that now you just create a different problem in which you you now you you're still stealing money from these players like that I, I mean, I keep talking in circles, but, like, you open one door just to close another one. Like, you thought you were slick. That really is unbelievable to think about. And yet, here we are, you know. But you wonder how that's going to hash over. You wonder if other states are going to sign similar laws, but that's kind of where we're at. Finally, to close out this week, some controversy with the Olympics. I mean, the Olympics are controversial in nature anyway, you know, um, for a number of different reasons. But this past week, basically the IOC, which in no surprise, because this is kind of run for the course with them, but the IOC basically has made it known that athletes are not allowed to make political demonstrations during playing of national anthems or anything that in the in the sense that they're not allowed to wear 
t-shirts, anything with Black Lives Matter on it, which, like I said, is par for the course with the IOC. I mean, the Olympics and the World Cup both, for some reason, um, want to keep politics out of there. And, and I don't understand how, I mean, first of all, this is the same IOC that you know, they blackballed John Carlos and Tommy Smith for their demonstrations during the 1968 Olympics, you know. So this isn't surprising that they did this. My thing is why that they are so determined to keep politics because you're going to the Olympics and the World Cup, too, because they're FIFA, like they're notorious for this. These are just the world games like competition between athletes from around the world for people who live under rocks this world is full of like it's just this world is full of like the the there are a lot of like they come from a lot of places there are countries they come from that don't like each other there are territories and you know territorial disputes like if you're a Palestinian athlete or like an Israeli athlete or if you're you know there are ethnic and religious disputes like if you're from Turkey and you have like Armenian roots and you know you have Uyghurs in China and you have like just all of these different things that you look around at you know different countries that have conflicts you know if you're from North Korea and you may not be record they probably aren't internationally recognized if you're from Cuba you know if you're from you know just all these different countries and, and territories in the Middle East and di- and countries and just all these different disputes and you're this the Olympics and World Cup are giant displays of nationalism in my in my opinion that if you you're telling me how are you going to keep politics out of world games? Like, <laughs> I, I guess I get on one hand, I guess I get it because you because of the disputes and, you you know, whatever. But at the same time, like, bro, these are real world things like you're not going to pretend like sports aren't just big displays. like the World Cup and Olympics in particular are just big displays of nationalism, you know, with history of that. Like, it, it just it doesn't make sense to even sit here and pretend like you're going to be apolitical in this sense. It doesn't make sense. And it's just a bigger problem with people wanting athletes to just stick to sports. It's just not a doable thing. It's not, it's not a realistic thing to ask them to do, especially in some of these other countries where this stuff runs real deep. Like imagine telling a Palestinian athlete to keep politics out of sports, (laughs) you know, it just, it wouldn't make sense. Imagine telling, like, you know, it just, it just doesn't, uh, uh, an Ethiopian or Tigray, uh, somebody from the Tigray region in Ethiopia to keep politics out of sport. Like, it just, it, it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense to do that. And I don't know why you would try it. <laughs> you know, but... It is. I mean, the Olympics have always pretended to be apolitical and tried to keep athletes from doing political things. Like I said, they blackballed 
John Carlos and Tommy Smith years ago for that. And the, the other Australian athlete, I always forget his name, but he was, he gave them their gloves. Like he was blackballed in his country and ostracized and things. So it's, 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 it's par for the course with them, <laughs> you know, and I don't expect nothing different, but I just wonder if anybody will try to defy the order. Like, you know, you have Naomi Osaka going there representing Japan you know, you're going to have NBA players and people. You have Liz Cambage from the WNBA who's already talking about boycotting because of some controversy with Australia's depiction of um, a lack of black Australians and their representation of the Olympics. So, you know, you wonder what what kind of, how many people are even going anyway with all the craziness in the world anyway. So... You know, something to pay attention to. But I guess we can call it quits. This has been another episode of Your Sports Fix with the Sports Pulse. I'm Devin Nashby, and we will see you all next week.